Design Intent Podcast, we have Arturo Leal, who is a, and this is what we're going to talk about, is are you a product designer or a UI designer? Because we thought we were product designers, and we want to know, because Dan and I are relatively old, sort of, compared to the rest of the the young people in the room. Uh, And when we started design, we call ourselves product designers because it was a lot easier to describe than industrial designer. And then right. our our title has been co-opted. Yeah, so. <laughs> we just sort of discovered one day the rug has been pulled out from underneath us. Yeah. This week's podcast is brought to you by Urbanist Cycling, your go-to brand for stylish and functional cycling underwear. UrbanistCycling.com. Yeah. So this is like a match. Just takes, <laughs> takes the name. Yeah, hi, and thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a product designer, principal product designer at Dell. Uh, I work with the Design Ops team. It's part of our design foundation for Dell Digital Design. Okay, good. Make sure you yeah. get, get it. Maybe we can talk or just sort of make it a little more basic, like what is Dell Ops? Yeah. And what is the Dell Ops team? Yeah, so... so Arturo, I, just so you, everybody gets a history of kind of like how Arturo and I connected, even though we work at Dell, there's 160,000 people and 15 of those thousand are in Austin. And you always get the question like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Well, Arturo had put up a, uh, an article on LinkedIn and I, I saw it and it said, you know, Arturo Lee, Leal, um, Dell designed something. And I'm like, well, I'm going to read this. And so I thought I'd reach out. I'm like, well, because Dan and I had had this conversation about, well, what is product design versus industrial design versus what we used to think product design mm-hmm. was. And I thought you'd be a great guy for a couple of reasons to talk to you. One, that, and two, just to kind of understand that that I didn't know, but you guys, your group is probably as big as EDG, uh, over 100 people. EDG is the... Experience design yeah. group. And, and, and Dan is a, used to be an EDG back when it was like a dozen when it, when it was something else. Yeah, <laughs> when it was something else. So um, I just thought it would be great to, you know, one, get to know you. Uh, there's, you know, other creatives at Dell, not just, um, you know, the industrial designers are not the only ones. There's lots of creative people there. So I thought I'd just reach out. Yeah. And specifically, I'm interested in kind of having a discussion about it because... Um, as products and let's say the experience of products becomes more and more about not necessarily the interaction with the device in a traditional sense, but more about the interaction with the information that the device is presenting to you, whatever that may be in whatever form. So to me, that's a very interesting part of the discussion And, and as it relates to the relevance of traditional industrial design. So that's what I'm interested in talking okay. about as well. So it, it probably, I mean, the name, it, it's, uh, I'm going to say it's an evolution of the user experience uh, term. Uh, the only thing I believe product design, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a bigger concept because it includes research, it includes mm-hmm. testing, it includes basically the discovery and framing part. So that that's number one. Also, probably it comes from uh, 
this concept about tech companies and internet companies. So in tech, in tech companies, your product is it's something that you can actually uh, touch, feel and use. In internet companies, a product is, is a piece of software. It's an app. Sure, uh, sure. What, what we're realizing as designers, as UX designers, interaction designers, etc., is that the process of building uh, that, that digital product is pretty similar to an actual physical product. Uh, that, right. That's probably where the name uh, comes from. In, in many companies like Dell, uh, it also it's a way to align to the product model. Instead of having projects, uh, uh, companies are now, because of digital transformation, companies are now focusing more on results, in, in uh, focusing on, on, on giving value to the, to the customer. And that makes a shift. Instead of thinking about projects and timelines and a Gantt chart, it's more a product approach. It's, it's an incremental thing. It's, it's about experimenting, about MVPs. So... Probably the term uh, product designer, it's, it's also to align to that concept to, to, okay, you have a product owner, product manager, product developer, so you have product designer. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's probably similar things to a physical good, right? You have a mechanical engineer and all yeah. those sort of things. In the realm that you focus on, you have an engineer, but not a mechanical engineer, exactly. right? It's a software, software or whatever engineer. it may be, so... Well, let, let's take a quick step back and maybe just give us a little background about who you are and yourself and your background and where you're from. And sure, um, I've joined Dell and, and relocated to Austin two years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm from from Mexico. Um, back there, I was uh, well a while ago in the prehistory. Actually, my background is in computer science, but mm -hmm. I'm always been like on this side of the screen. Uh -huh. uh, in the prehistory, we had something called flash and, and stuff like that. So uh, the the term user experience came around, and I really was interested in, in, in that. So I was I, I basically traveled the whole path from uh, doing just graphic things like uh, basically pushing pixels to create buttons and interfaces on on on, on the first iteration of the web, you can say to move to interaction design, uh, then move more to um, uh, things related to the user, to creating personas, user journeys, like, like really understanding why are we designing that. Then more into the, the actual process of design, the, the, the design as an adjective, not, not as, a, as a verb. And uh, then uh, for <laughs> reasons, destiny, or whatever. I arrived to Dell uh, to to take part on the, the sign ups team. So basically, the sign ups it's a way to scale design in a, in an organization. It's uh, basically set everything in order. It's it's uh, enabling designers to do their best work. Uh, that means aligning and providing tools, processes, practices, looking for culture uh, or, or to improve culture. And for example, at Dell, it makes sense for a company this size and a company moving from, it's something similar to EDG. Uh, we moved from, when I arrived, we were like 
50 designers. A year before that, there were 20. Now we are 100 and something, and the plan is for next year to double that. So you really need to scale. You, you, you need a framework to scale and to provide uh, the best environment for yeah. all those uh, designers out there. Yeah, that's almost the same when I joined Dell. There was about 35 to 50. I don't remember exactly how many, but it was mm -hmm. not that. It wasn't a lot. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, it was like at 100. I think we're at about 130 or 140 now, you know, globally um, with, with our teams. But I know, um, I've always known there were other people doing what you did at Dell, but I never understood where they were mm -hmm. or what they did. Um, I mean, I understood the concept of what it was that they did, but I didn't know what they did because it's like, because we're so big, right? It's really yeah. hard to understand. Like you meet people at Dell all the time and you ask them what they do and they tell you and you're it's still just, like, I don't know what it is yeah. that they do. Somehow <laughs> they do yeah. Cool. So so you guys are design ops. In, tell, tell us more about the types of things that you're designing. What, what are the specific, I know you told me you're doing some of the web Web work, you know, our new Dell.com, uh, but I, certainly, certainly there's more than that. Uh, yeah, there was a new Dell.com. Uh, the biggest, or at least the, the probe with, with most of the spotlight right now, it's uh, all the tools around the cloud initiative. Uh, so Dell is transitioning from being a fully hardware company, you know, this to, to uh, become a real big player in the cloud. Uh, in the cloud arena, so every everything a user, a customer, and we don't like to call them users anymore. Uh, we're trying to call them uh, humans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's this saying that that all, there are only two industries that call their customers users: uh, drug dealers and and designers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, yeah, we we're trying to stay away from that, and and also in an effort to be more more inclusive. So. Um, we're basically working on, on every single tool, uh, buyers, sellers, and everyone that interacts with the cloud uh, is, is using. So that's a big thing right now uh, going on in, in our team. Uh, of course, the, all, all, the, all these tools for the, for the channels, for the buyers and sellers, uh, some things for support. I'm not sure if we are still working with Alienware and Beamware, but, but that's something happening uh, also over there. And more in specific, uh, our products in the signups are more, uh, it's like at the signups you need to design for designers. So we're basically working in products for, for designers. Uh, some of those products are actually not digital, like uh, we are working on, on a library of documents, things like that. Uh, some others, yeah, are, are digital products like portals with information for designers or mentoring tools or things like that. Okay, okay. All right, so um, in terms of like customer-facing things, how much of, of y'all's team's work is, is customer-facing versus internally-facing? Is it, is it all customer-facing? Um, I don't know the ratio. Probably it's... Probably the customer facing uh, it's bigger uh, right now. Yeah, I, I I don't know the ratio, but it but um, it, it it's weird because uh, the 
we have like two types of of uh, two types of people using our tools. The the one that the, the person that it's actually going into Dell.com and buying a laptop and, and all of that, and that's a super complex journey. And, yeah. And, 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 and we're on our way <laughs> order. And the other one, it, it's also a customer, but it's like the, the this company that, that it's buying servers and things like that. It's not something that you buy on your on your house with your credit card, right? It, right. it, it has to do with a lot of uh, financial stuff and, 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 and way more complex decision making. So that's a big part. And probably, I don't know if it's high, half and half, to be honest. The other part, it's, it's our own internal team. At, it's, okay. it's tool for, tools for um, the people in sales, people in, I don't know, customer support, things like that. Okay. So, so how is that different than, and, and I don't know who the right question is, if it's you or for you, how is what your team does different than what's done by the team in the EDG Experience Design Group UI team? Well, like what's the, the focus the, of the different teams? So the UI folks in EDG are working on specific software programs that get loaded onto the, okay. the machines, where there's like some Alienware, um, uh, I forget what the tool is called, but like for um, our, co our commercial things, it's called Dell Optimizer, okay. right? And so they'll be designing that whole user mm -hmm. interface for the Dell Optimizer and all the different features <laughs> that go into that. Okay. So those are some of the things that they're working on uh, from a from a UI perspective. I'm sure there's more. I'm I, I'm positive I'm missing sure. a few. Things. So it's a bit more, let's say, product specific. Yeah. And then what you work on, Arturo, is more Dell Global. Here's the website and other sort of things like that. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So can you explain a little bit more the process? Like, for example, when designing a product, we start with like a sketch and then maybe like 3D CAD and then refine and test and 3D render engineering. So what is the process that you take when you're designing a new product? Our, uh, the, the process we're trying to follow, it's, it's something around, you, you start with uh, definition and, and discovery, sorry, discovery and framing. It's basically, you need to create an, a, 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 a hypothesis and, and ask why is it, I mean, is this the right solution is this the right problem uh, or, or, or what's actually the problem we, we're going to try to solve so there's a lot of um, interviewing shadowing actually just looking at what people it's it's trying to do uh, what, which are their pain points uh, things like that then you get you go like from the from the general you, you try to frame everything as a solution as an MVP and then you start the, we call it the sign part, although everything is a sign, this is like, like the, the part where everyone is more used to call the sign, that it's uh, ideation, wireframing, wire uh, actually documenting all of that into user journeys, into service maps, etc. After that comes uh, prototyping, and it depends on the project, if, if prototyping is, uh, something on a napkin or an interactive prototype uh, that, that we need to build in HTML or something like that. After that uh, is the handoff part to the engineering team. Um, after that it's testing and iterating. 
iterate, iterate, mm. iterate everything. Right now, our approach is that a project is never finished. Of course, of course, you have deadlines and, and things like that. But uh, we're trying to test. We're trying to communicate with with uh, customers and users all the time to see mm. to see where's where's the next tweak or where's the next functionality. I, I guess that's a benefit of your field versus. Traditional, let's say, product design is, you know, once you tool something up for injection molding or casting or whatever, it's very hard and expensive to change anything on a product, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas with software, you know, it's, it's not free, I'm sure, but it's like, here's a little bit of code, put it in. And, and that's it. We're yeah. trying to make, uh, and, 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 and it's been uh, uh, going back and forth, not only at Dell in my previous company and, and, and before that, that concept of the 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 prototyping part, it, it it's always. I mean, it's not as expensive as as yeah, sure. doing an actual object. But yeah, it requires I don't know uh, hours from sure. the, the engineering People team. Sure. So uh, the current approach, it's it's try to uh, move to rapid prototyping. It's like what what do you need? Why do you need to see like? the pixel perfect prototype. I mean, there, there's mm -hmm. no point into that uh, unless you're going to test it with real users. Mm -hmm. If there's an, a design asset yet, just to explain an idea to a stakeholder, to, to uh, an engineer just for validation, there are a lot of tools to do rapid prototyping. Uh, the first one is a pen and a paper. So yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're trying that. Sometimes it's hard because um, uh, there's an understanding, especially in engineering or in software development, that, that designers should be doing uh, wireframes and, 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 and pixel-perfect things and, and spend their time on that. We are trying to get our designers to spend more time on, on the ideas, on ideation, on actually solving problems instead of just... Uh, Making a pretty picture. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and... and uh, it's a challenge, not only for Dell, every single company you ask, uh, name it IBM, Facebook, sure. whatever, it's, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an industry pain point, but... Yeah, it's, a, you know, design in general, there's always this idea that, you know, we kind of show up at the end and we just kind of make it look good. Yeah. But, but to your point, right, you're, you're trying to figure out what are the problems that you're trying to solve, um, because there's many ways to solve a problem and then and then you know within the context that you have to work in too right within yeah. whether it's budget or uh, location there's lots of contextual things that help that help generate what that solution is going to be yeah. uh, and you don't want to show up at the very end because you may have other ideas and inputs and so you got to have those uh, backwards and forwards and I think the, the hard thing is especially when you're working with um, you know some of those engineers the front-end engineers and you know, Dan and Aaron have been through this thousands of times. Is is like they just want to solve it sometimes just one way, and you're like, well, wait a minute, can we do this? Can we do that? And there's like, here's 15 different ideas. Like, what about all these? Give us, give us some input. Uh, and that's always really uh, that's a challenge because you have to convince them that it's a good idea to iterate and it's a good idea to kind of go through the process of looking at different angles of solving that problem. What? What's worked for me in the past, or, or for teams I've, I've been with, it's just take the development team, take uh, basically every stakeholder you can 
to 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 an actual user test. It's like put them in front of, of the user and watch them use use the product. It's yeah. uh, it's eye opening for them. Yeah. It's 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 the moment they re they they're no longer your. I, I don't want to use the word enemy, but it's it's the moment that they get on board with with the whole idea of yeah. iterating and, yeah. and all that, and especially because engineering is similar to to design in the sense of you're building something with your hands. It's it's a craft, and you take it. There there's part of you in, in, into that. There, mm. There's some philosophical thing, whatever you want to call that. Uh, you're putting part of yourself in, 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 in what you're doing. There, there goes a lot of your story into that. Uh, for engineers, it, it, it's something similar. The, the difference is that it's code or an idea or an algorithm. So when they see someone interact with that, like like uh, with their own eyes, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of different. The, the approach changes completely. And and, yeah. and of course they took pride in the in their in their work as we do, uh, but but the whole the, the whole conversation changes a lot when yeah. when they come in contact with real people using their their products their yeah. work. Yeah, software. Having worked on an application myself, it's not it's not any easier than product design. I think in some mm -hmm. cases it's even more difficult than, or industrial design. Mm -hmm. I think in some cases it's more difficult because with industrial design, you basically pencils down a tool release, right? You're effectively sure. done, right? You're gonna release for an engineering mock-up. You're gonna test uh, all of the parts, make sure they fit well together, and then you're gonna do tool release. And that, you're. You're pretty much like, I'm done, right? There's no more you can do. But with software, it's like, oh, we can change this. We you can, can change always this. change it. We can change this or that yeah. part. Or there's like, there's way more ankle biters once you get the, because uh, I remember going through this, like, okay, we've got this, we've got this application going. And then you're, you know, you're doing it. And then next thing you know, you're like, well, didn't even think about that part, right? So it's yeah. like the little ankle biter just comes up and it grabs you. Then you got to go back and it, it just, yeah. It's ever changing. It, I would yeah. assume. I, I think it's wicked hard. I think it's <laughs> wicked hard. Well, I mean, probably that's reflected in you know how many total industrial designers at Dell there are. I don't know how many. Less than a hundred, I would say. Oh yeah, less than hundred. And then how many UI people are there at Dell? There's a lot more. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. There's a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Lot more. So. Anyway. Now here's a really hard question that we've <laughs> asked an, another UX or another product designer is what is the difference between UI and UX it's and where uh, do you draw the line it's uh, actually it's pretty simple U UI it's the you, you I mean if, if you go by the book UI it's a link uh, the text sizes uh, color palettes things like that. It's slightly it's, more graphic design. It's more related to graphic design. It's it's uh, about components, it's about micro interactions, sizes, uh, accessibility, all of that. UI it's UI it, it's it, if you're going to draw it in a in a chart, UI is inside of UX. Uh, UX is more about uh, behavior. It, mm -hmm. It's more about those people, I mean, you, you can have a pretty interface, mm -hmm. not necessarily that interface, it's, it's useful or it's uh, engaging 
for sure. a customer. So UI is, let's say, a core competency of UX. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where UX has additional things that it needs to consider. Yeah. Okay. U UX is more about the, the experience of using something. And if you go a step backward, if, if you were drawing circles, uh, the next circle is it's, um, customer experience. It's, mm -hmm. it's not only about the product. It's like, why did you arrive to that product? Why is your interaction with the, with the whole company behind that product, for example? And then you over there you have things like service design. You were talking about the signing interfaces that uh, sometimes are invisible, or products that are I'm air quoting invisible. Uh, service design is around that, and and the the usual example it's a, a Starbucks coffee shop and an Apple store. Uh, even the, the smell of the store, the colors, the everything order that's oh, that's customer or service design. Uh, it's actually a really interesting field, and I think it's actually when, if you want to say product industrial design or product design as in an industrial thing and product design as a digital thing, it's it's when they met usually. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, it's that middle ground when you're actually putting someone uh, a person at the center and and start building uh, the whole experience. It doesn't matter if it's software, hardware, uh, the, to, the, to the, the space. Sure, to the user slash human. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the exactly, or or at least it should be the same in theory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, they well, shouldn't be competing with each other exactly. for, for certain, right? In fact, I mean, I know we've talked about this, and, and I, I'm a big believer in this. Like, the product, three-dimensionally, should be less about what it is versus what's happening on the screen, right? The screen is the far most important element, right? And the product should just enhance Exactly. Should enhance that. The product is a tool to interact with the information. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to make too many kind of "Hey, look at me" type of uh, right. features. You know, uh, we do, but I try we try not to sometimes. Um, but sometimes they it just comes out. That well, way. sometimes the person isn't interacting; they're carrying it around. So in those cases, right? Then you're more about. The, it becomes the, jewelry then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's jewelry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then there there's an interesting challenge over there that it's. Uh, Making the whole experience uh, uh, like like um, making making the the whole experience as 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 one only thing like like coherent, uh, having your product your physical product aligned with your digital product, yeah. uh, even with your service and and the most common example is uh, banks uh, and financial institutions are really investing in that in in. Uh, having at least the same language between your application over here, web, and, and the actual in-person in -person yeah. experience, right? The colors, the layout, the everything. Yeah, well, if you look at the design jobs, you see a lot of banks hiring for uh, yeah. UX, UI. Banks and healthcare, the yeah. same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So have you, um, so obviously you're from a different country than the U.S. Yeah. In, uh, in your experience, um, in, in terms of developing products under the sort of the user UX umbrella, do you have to do things differently between countries? Let's say, you know, if, if, you, have a, if you have an interface 
it may work well in one country, but in a different culture and language, it may it's, be uh, broken. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's funny because I, I've been involved in, in in different projects that it's the same product for for complete different uh, regions. And going back to the UI UX question, it's you you have UI. I'm gonna call them problems, although they're not problems. But you have, like, for example, a label in English is this size. A label in Russian or in Germany, it's a two line. It's two lines of text. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, or here we have, uh, left to right. You have you have languages right to left. Oh uh, yeah, like that's Hebrew, an for example. Channel. Yeah. Uh, you have the use of colors. Uh, there are countries that red doesn't represent something wrong. Actually, right. red is for happiness. Yeah. Uh, there are cultures that you cannot use an eye or a hand as an icon because they don't see dismembered human parts. Interesting. Like 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 oh. we do. Uh, there's a lot of that regarding UI. Then the UX, it's a whole different thing because uh, the whole culture of background affects a lot your experience right. on, on, on something, right? Uh, See, that's where I would think, okay, that could make things really complicated. Yeah, and and you, I mean, usually the the discovery and framing part or or the research part is is the one that brings out all to light all, all those all those issues. You, I don't know, I, I've I've seen products for uh, oil drilling companies that it's like why people in this region of Asia is not using our product. Oh, well, it's because everyone over there at that town, it's part, kind of part of the same family. They all have the last, the same last name. So there was no way to input those users on the system. For example, you can have the same thing. Uh, we have a problem in this region in, in Russia. People is not using the product. Well, it was because it's so cold that people cannot click on, on a tablet. <laughs> uh, they cannot take out their gloves. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not only cultural, it's, it's uh, situational yeah. also, it's, it's uh, even weather, I mean, you have, there was, for, for some building, uh, material company, I, we were, I was doing a project a while ago, it, it was, uh, people weren't using the, 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 the app on a tablet because most of them live in, in real uh, tropical uh, weather under tropical weather so there was light all the time over the tablets and they couldn't Just read couldn't because see. of the color palette we choose so oh. all of that all of those findings are are in the in the first in the first part so there's huh. there are quite some challenges uh, with that even even the the copywriting part uh, it's it's quite different uh, from one region to the other, so you, that that's why we, well, not only at Dell, Dell, it's putting a lot of interest into that, but but that's why usually you put together multicultural teams, or or that's the advantage of having mm -hmm. multicultural yeah. teams. Yeah. yeah. So is, is the trend towards, <laughs> um, and maybe you can speak for Dell specifically, or just the industry in general, is the trend towards trying to chase and customize. You know, so you have a product and you have all these tendrils of different flavors of it, right? Yeah. For, to address these different needs. Or is the trend towards like, okay, we're just going to 
consolidate to one thing and it and it, and it works for everybody, which never is going to happen. But no, is there a trend one way or the other? It, the trend needs to serve to be as inclusive as possible. Okay, and and. Uh, and, on, and not only by region, but but by age, um, gender, you name it. Really? Right now, it's it's a huge. There's a huge movement around in in uh, product design or UX design to go toward that. Okay. Uh, to be inclusive, and now that you have tools like AI, for example, it's it's uh, it's easier in theory. It's easier to customize the experience for each right. single person. So if you compare that to traditional, you know, industrial design and hardware, that's actually a very difficult thing to do, just because of the investment in tooling dollars that you have to put up front. Yeah. I don't know if Dell does a whole lot of that in terms of okay, maybe a little bit. Obviously, uh, in, keyboard layouts are well, specific. Well, keyboards, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, dozens of yeah, keyboards yeah. per region language right. that, that it has to change for those uh, for those areas yeah. and it gets expensive that's why sure. they don't like to tool up a lot of keyboards every right. time you introduce a new product right. and yeah. um, it adds complexity as you would imagine so they have different palm reds right. different keyboards right. uh, but as far as like the outer design you want to try to keep it as simple as you can so that anyone can usually sure. grab it, and right. it. Um, but I've, I've I know that there are regional preferences for certain types of colors, okay. forms and things. Sure. So we've seen, uh, for example, uh, done some work with um, APJ and kind of showing some What's designs, Asia-Pacific Asia, Asia okay. and Japan, um, and just showing some different designs and different colors where the Japanese market was kind of trending towards one particular color versus another one. Um, and so that led us to say, hey, well, let's just work with that color. We believe it's good enough. For we believe worldwide. not good enough. We believe that the color is appropriate for what we were going for. Worldwide? Yeah. Okay. But it, we wanted it to be a little bit more focused in that particular okay. area um, because we, f we believe that they might be a larger uh, consumer of that particular sure. product. So we, we made that decision based on that. And, and, and we're starting to see things um, where just how aesthetics are kind of changing based on the new demographics. You know, there's younger workforce um, in terms of how like premium types of customers might want their yeah. products. Premium users want things a little bit more quieter. They sure. want things. They want less sort of displays of wealth, right? And they want to have things a little bit more calm. Okay. Uh, so we're just seeing things like that, right? Um, and and so we're we're trying to take those types of trends into right. account. Versus, are we designing it for a particular executive mm. that has a particular taste, right. right? And so that's always that's always a problem, right? Especially big companies because you have mm. you know um, people who make decisions who write the checks. And, Sure, sure. Yeah, versus data. Your right. customer, right? right? So sometimes those two things can compete. Yeah. But you have to do the research. And as you'll, you know, being two years at Dell, they're all about data and yeah. research and information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's a question. Um, so the three of us were all trained traditionally as industrial designers. You go to school, you know, color or form, sketching, drawing. CAD getting stuff. into CAD, mm -hmm. doing all this stuff. Of course, when Dan and I started, there was no CAD, but <laughs> um, 
research. But, yeah, doing a little bit of research, you know, understanding customers' pain points, that sort of thing. Where, where or what would a person do to go into U.S.? Because to me, it seems like there's a lot of different diploma type of disciplines you could come from and go into UX. Yeah, we know in traditional ID. Yeah, we know yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. We know. I know people, handful of people that have gone from ID, three D, and have switched over into the into the uh, interface of, world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of people from from the in upcoming classes mm -hmm. and even my class are going into. Like, I, I would doing. say like half of them are, yeah. are doing UI UX work. And is that well? That there's so there's two questions. Um, the first one back to you is it because when you look through the the, the, job the hell job wanted ads, there's like you could go into just to Austin and say I, product designer Austin. There's hundreds, and there'll be you know a hundred product design jobs. Not one of them is a three dimensional right. product ID, designer. Yeah. They're all yeah. they're all you know what Arturo does. So wondering if that's the reason why or if, or. I mean, I know some people just changed because they, they just liked it better. They, yeah, there's they a guy I graduated it. with it that did traditional ID for, you know, 15 years and then sort of started in some interest in UX and then found that he liked it and then just continued that way. And that's yeah. all he does. So. Yeah. yeah, so what's a what's a proper path? So if somebody wanted to either go to college or they're in school now, they maybe they think they might want to change, like what would you recommend them to study or, or go in. So you said you started in computer science, which is a little bit different than coming in straight from a creative uh, discipline like Dan and I or Aaron, where that's you find out about these things a lot of times when you're in those creative fields, you, you see all the other people doing different things. I, for me, it was weird because I always have, I, I, I had actually a hard time deciding between studying industrial design or studying computer science. Oh, wow. at, at that time, the university I, I wanted to go in didn't have a, a, a solid industrial design mm -hmm. program. That's why I opted for the other one. But I keep studying uh, design on my own and uh, take a lot of courses, certifications, things like that. So at some point, I, I saw there was a, an, an overlap those two yeah. and that's where when, that's when I grabbed that and I never let it go when um, so when you was decided okay I'm gonna go computer science let's say were you aware of the UX field and how no, big it, it was it was it was probably that that was what 2003 something okay like that. It, it was 2000 it, it was it wasn't I mean thing. no there, there wasn't back then was uh, only graphic user interface right right and uh, the web was pretty different than, right. than now. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let aside, uh, talk, talk about the user as the one dictating features and stuff, but it was unthinkable. I mm. mean, at that point was like the one uh, with the wallet was the one sure. yeah. <laughs> defining features and, and that was it. Yeah. Everyone else had to just go for that. Uh, right now, a lot of people is moving from, like you said, from graphic design, from from uh, arts and creative uh, programs mm -hmm. into UX. I think there there's tons of material, free and paid courses online. Um, as, I don't know. As soon as I mean, if, if you're really good at graphic design and, 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 and you like tech, probably you can go into UI. Uh, that, that could be the path. 
if you're more about uh, behavioral psychology, about empathy, things like that, and you're, I don't know if the right term, if you're more like a people person, uh, UX, it's, it's really interesting. It, it's, it's like when, when design and um, behavioral psychology, all of that overlaps. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Again, the path, it's, it's usually, as far as I know, internships, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, people really have an interest and, and read a lot. Again, there, there's a lot of material on the web, uh, paid and free. Mm -hmm. uh, people usually start with that and then start gaining real world experience. Uh, so, so when you graduated in computer science, was your first uh, job out of school in computer science, or did you just jump right into? Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, before graduating, uh, oh, you I were was like, already doing uh, uh, web design. Okay, uh, back then it was web design. You and, you, and you come at it where I see the advantage versus others, and there's always advantages and disadvantages. But you're coming at it because you actually know how the motor works. Because uh, the computer science, computer science, because you actually understand coding and. You understand the principles and the philosophies behind how, like for me, forget it. Like I would never, I couldn't, like I would, I would know the, you know, which one or zero goes in front of the other one. But, 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 but that's a really cool. That's a really cool way to approach yeah. it because because you you can call bullshit on some of your engineers. Right. right? That, well, yeah. and in industrial design, it's kind of the same, right? So if you know the mechanical engineer's world, yeah, then you can speak their language and and help yourself essentially by yeah. helping them yeah so. and, and back then at, at least uh at least in mexico i think it, it was pretty similar here uh, there was no other way around i mean if you wanted to build something in interesting in css or for web or in flashware you need to at least know the basics or or do some coding then we move away with that and a couple of years ago the question came back again, like, should designers learn, learn how to code? Uh, or should you give that to, to the tools you're using? Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Well, you know, when we spoke to Stephen Wintbrock last week, he was talking about, it from an industrial design perspective, he hinted on this a little bit, that there's not enough technical sure. education going in into the, the kids they're going through school now. It's all creative, yeah. which is great. We like doing creative things, but to be a creative, it really helps to understand. It, it, it's the ankle biters, right? It's like you understand where the ankle biter is going to come from because you have a technical knowledge yeah. of the way the thing works. And so maybe you don't necessarily have to know how to do all of the coding, but understanding the ankle biters allows you, first of all, you're thinking ahead you know, a month from now. Like what's yeah. going to happen to me in a month from now when this thing is supposed to be over with, right? Whereas if you're just coming at it purely from that aesthetic point of view, it's a lot harder until you go through and get all of that sort of on-the-job sure. experience, you know, of, of years. Um, and you kind of get like a, uh, you bridge probably a pretty big gap of knowledge just by um, having that, that background. background. And, and then you have people like, like John Maeda talking about the next generation of tools to design. It, it's, it's more using AI, it's using data, it's... Uh, using generative design, things mm -hmm. like that. So that that concept implies people or, or designers under, understands concepts about algorithms, iterations, uh, things like that. So yeah. it's, it's 
interesting. Yeah, the generative design stuff, I'm sure you guys have seen it for 3D. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. We, we had done some work with some generative design. The guys in ISG are doing some generative design work. Uh, on some of the servers. Uh, there's been some really, really fascinating uh, concepts that are, um, I can't talk about. Sure. I can when, we're, when the mics are off, but, but it's just like mind-blowing yeah. and super, super cool. Like it makes you, like you would look at it and you go, wow, that like, because you, you like me, you probably thought, oh, you know, server design is kind of interesting, but I really don't want to do it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> But if you saw what what some of the stuff they're doing, it's huh. it, it, some of the conceptual stuff that I've seen. It's like that's hands down some of the coolest design I've ever seen. Wow! Super impressive stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like it, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. No doubt. And they're using some tools, specific tools or the tool, methods. The tool in. 3D, it's called Grasshopper. Oh, I've heard, yeah, yeah I've heard yeah. about that. It's yeah, called yeah. Grasshopper, and I've actually taken a couple of classes. It's wicked hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you it, gotta, requires, you it requires some coding. Yeah, like yeah. Arturo, I'm sure you'd pick it up no problem. <laughs> no, it was the same for, it's been years since I write code, but yeah, I, I tried to do some stuff in Grasshopper, and, and it was not easy at all. Yeah, and uh, the cool thing about what I found interesting about Grasshopper is you could kind of have somebody help set up a kind of a, um, a formula. Yeah. And you just change a few of the things at the beginning and the end Some and you get a different, you get a different pattern. Okay. And but as long as you don't break any of the links, sure, it's it okay. Works. But when you break a link, you're like, Oh God, what do I do? <laughs> uh, I, I, I took it for, um, cause we were doing it on some of our, um, our grill pattern, work, yeah, right? Because yeah. you you guys yeah. helped us out doing sure. some of the CAD when I was yeah. doing Optiflex and Precision, and, and we wanted to have our uh, grill kind of a, a, a different pattern versus just a standard sort of like yeah, exactly. geometric kind of a thing. Sure. And and we were able to we we had some success. Uh, it it is you really need someone that knows that tool like backwards and forwards because it's. Uh, it's not an easy tool as a designer to kind of like pick up in your spare time with all the other work that you've got to sure, do, right? Yeah. And you really need to like be focused and, and um, almost an expert at it so, so you can actually make, make the changes. And a couple of the, couple of the guys were pretty successful at, at doing, uh, doing the grasshopper work. It's really cool. And I think, I think the new um, Creo Four has some kind of generative element okay. to it. Are yeah. you on Creo Four yet? Well, that's the well. The latest is I think seven. So maybe Wait, you're about seven. Maybe it's seven. I think we all have to switch over to one of them. Have you switched? I, I have it all, but okay. right now nobody's using it. So maybe that's coming. I think it's coming. Yeah. Um, I. Th you get to view in perspective all the time, oh, which is that's a new thing. You know, and I know you're familiar with Pro E, Pro Engineer uh, yeah. as a CAD tool. So it's like, as a designer using the tool, it's so weird because it's like everything's isometric. It's, it's out of perspective, yeah. and you're trying to design a product in perspective because that's the way we our eyes work. And so it's like yeah. so, it's so insane that we're like at 2020 now, and we're just now getting perspective as <laughs> a default. So there's that one, and I, I, I think, I heard somebody talk about it. I haven't cracked open the program, yeah. but I think there's some element of a generative okay. type of uh, yeah, I haven't seen, part yeah. to it, but I, I, I don't know. I haven't, 
I mean, I don't even have a precision notebook anymore like, <laughs> to, to work. You're just bossing people around just now. Tell, yeah, you have to tell everybody what to do, um, that, which is fun sometimes. Uh, but I, I don't want to lose my, my touch. It happens to us all at some point in time in big, life. We just kind of you know, fade away. Well, Dan, there's nobody <laughs> saying, Adele, let's do the Lato method. It's all the, the Phipps method. So Dan helped us. He helped me figure out some kind of a how to make a pattern. Okay. And how to make it such that it wasn't a big, make the, 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 the part really big and heavy. It's an economized pattern. Yeah, actually. yeah. And so we just call it the Phipps method. <laughs> just, you got to follow the Phipps method. So that's great. Uh, I don't... I don't think I have anything else. No, you guys got anything else? It's been a fun fun talk. We're coming up on almost an hour anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And you guys probably have to get back to work because they got to keep the lights on. (laughs) Well, Arturo, I really appreciate it. Um, We'll talk some more. I'd love to have more conversations with you.